Hey, top of the morning to you. Saturday morning, June 11th, 9 a.m. If you tuned in right when uh, this podcast dropped, on or video anyway. It will be an audio podcast as well. We do it every Saturday morning. Freight Broker TV video podcast, Saturday morning. We get together for half hour, 45 minutes. Anymore, it's been close to an hour. And uh, we talk about stuff, transportation, talk about other stuff as well. And we've got a lot to talk about today. Now, normally, on Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we live stream the FBTV video podcast on YouTube. But we were out of town last week. We took the camper on a trip, the uh, Tautoa FBTV camper. Took it on a trip. Matter of fact, we got some video. Yeah, here, let's go to that video right now. We uh, we took the uh, the, the uh, camper, took it to um, Worcester Lake. That's over in Oklahoma, over by Poto. Pretty nice lake, and the camping area. Uh, we had a full hookup and lazy that way, but uh, made made life really, really, really nice. If you've got an RV and you understand dump stations, well, <laughs> having a full hookup makes all the difference in the world. But tomorrow, or well, not tomorrow, today, uh, the reason we're not here is simply because this time we took the boat. <laughs> and hopefully I have the video of that next week uh, on this podcast. Well, it'll be a video, but next week going to be out of town as well. So no live stream next week unless something happens. But you're still going to have access to the uh, FBTV video podcast. We're still going to do a Q- Q&A. And we got Q&As here and a lot of things going on that we're going to be getting to today. So this this podcast may actually exceed an hour. We'll see once we uh, get into it. Anyway, it is Saturday, June 11th, 2022. I'm Mike. I'm your host. I'm also the uh, lead consultant at Taltoa. If you're curious about Taltoa, check us out. Matter of fact, uh, right there uh, <laughs> is the... Uh, Logo, Tautoa.com is our website, T-A-L-T-O-A.com. We are a transportation and logistics training and consulting firm. We've been around for well over 20 years, pushing the big 3-0. But anyway, we have assisted thousands and thousands of individuals to begin a new career in transportation, to uh, help their brokerage uh, succeed, help trucking companies. We uh, experience inexperienced, uh, we, we're well, we're here to help you. We have uh, consulting packages that include in-depth training. If you're wanting to get into the industry as a freight broker agent, well, once you complete training, you will be able to begin your broker operation in our mentorship program. That's where you're going to be working through us under a licensed broker. And that allows us to mentor you, oversee everything you're doing, provide support, answer questions, make recommendations, whatever you may need. And then when you exit the mentorship program and go out on your own, you will have a consulting period that will uh, follow you as well. Anyway, all that information's on our website at taltoa.com, T-A-L-T-O-A.com. All right, Q&A day, we do it every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time. Keep that in mind. If you miss the... uh, If you miss the video or the live stream, 
Well, the video of the live stream is available on our website at Freight Broker TV. Just go to the live stream and you'll have that previous week's uh, video up there you can watch. So keep that in mind. Q&A day, if you got questions you'd like us to answer while we're, uh, well, the Saturday morning podcast, feel free to email me, fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. We have a contact form, well, forums on our website, I should say. You'll find those again at freightbrokertv.com. And you can even Skype us using your Skype app. Send us an instant message with your Skype app if you have a question that you wish to have answered. Just find us uh, on Skype and just do a search for FBTV. Today is Iced Tea Day. It's also Marriage Day. Well, it's June. should be. Fuel prices, we all know about that. Matter of fact, speaking of fuel prices, <laughs> hats off to the governor of Colorado. He has proven that there is some common sense left in the uh, country, when it comes to politicians anyway. The Colorado governor defended his decision to veto a bill that would require commercial and multifamily buildings to install electric vehicle charging stations this past Thursday. According to the governor, it would further increase housing costs at a time when so many are struggling to find affordable housing in his state. Not only that, but even if you are able to find affordable housing, what was affordable housing a year or two ago, with the fuel, I put fuel in my truck yesterday. Three quarters of a tank, over $90. Almost $5 a gallon for gasoline. Now, granted, I, I burned 91 octane, but still, isn't that nuts? Anyway, the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, if I'm pronouncing his name right, if not, I apologize. Who doesn't love the opportunity for EVs? It's great technology. Love what companies are doing to provide lower-cost options for people. That should be viewed as a good thing. And it is. It's just the way this country, this government is going about it, is just off-the-scale wacky. He goes on to say it should be viewed as a money-saving thing if you want, if you want to buy an EV. See, what this country is doing now, what the government's doing, they're forcing us to move in that direction. If, the, if it's good and when it's right, the country will go that way. But we've always been a country of choice. And, what the, and, and look at the fuel prices. Yeah, I know Putin, the war, uh, Trump... The oil companies, they've got every, they, they can point their finger at everybody, but, it, you know, the buck, the buck stops at the White House, bottom line. Behind that desk is where the buck stops. And when you got the president of the United States, prior to him actually becoming president when he was running for office, he told everybody what he was going to do. He was going to make it hard on the oil companies. <laughs> and he has, which in turn has made it hard on us. I mean, not just gas, but this trickles down. Fuel prices, almost $6 a gallon for diesel. You know how that's going to translate at the store when you go to buy something, when you buy food? Anyway, anyway, Colorado governor, he's kind of putting this in perspective, and it kind of gave me hope that somebody else will 
get their head out of the sand up there in Washington or in government office and figure out, this has got to stop. Anyway, like I said, he said it should be viewed as a money-saving thing if you want to buy an EV. But it should not be something that is built into uh, built in to increase housing cost or any other cost as far as that goes. The key thing about EVs, he says, and they already represent about 13% of the vehicles in Colorado, in their state last month anyway, they're happening. They're saving people money. Decreasing the demand for gas, you can't tell it, but decreasing the demand for gas. He says it's a wonderful thing. Kind of reminds me of Martha Stewart there. It's a good thing. But it should be an option for people. A choice. That's the bottom line. We're not ready for it. You you can't you know, I've said this before, you can't just go in, flick the switch just because you want to, and tomorrow we're electric. You know, there's people out there that, you know, has car payments. You know, the the car companies are still selling their gasoline vehicles. It, it's just, it just boggles my mind. I'm sure it does your, your, yours too, but it's just absolutely amazing to me. But it is what it is. Anyway, what? Oh, today's uh, impossible question. <laughs> the average person spends six months of their life doing this. The average person spends six months of their life doing this. What is it? If I remember, I'll get the answer to you uh, before the end of the uh, podcast. All right, we've been, uh, you know, we started talking about this several months ago. If you are a, if you're an independent freight dispatcher, you need to pay attention to this. If you've been thinking about getting out of the independent dispatcher business, going it out there on your own as a freight broker or freight broker agent, now might be the time to start taking it serious. A few months ago, we told you that the uh, FMCSA, or the subject was brought up about independent dispatch services. Well, now the FMCSA, they're wanting feedback and I don't know why, wanting feedback regarding the definitions of a broker and a bona fide agent or a dispatch agent. Now, what's this mean? Well, the FMCSA is scheduled, well, they, they, uh, they, they, they scheduled the, uh, <clears throat> or they published rather a notice to the Federal Registry yesterday yesterday being Friday, June 10th, to inform future guidance as instructed by the infrastructure law passed in 2021, the agency must issue guidance to clarify the definition by November 15th. That was uh, back a year ago we started talking about this. I don't know how they're going to uh, figure this out, but uh, actually I don't know what the, I, I really don't, understand why of all the uh, organizations that the uh, FMCSA would have to ask the difference between agent 
and a freight broker. The guidance must take into consideration the extent to which technology has changed the nature of freight brokering, the role of bona fide agents, and other aspects of the freight transportation industry. Once the notice is published in the Federal Register, which was yesterday, public will have 30 days to comment. The FMCSA's guidance must examine the role of a dispatch service in the transportation industry. So this isn't, even though they're saying bona fide agents, it's obvious uh, they're talking about dispatch, independent dispatch services. That's, that's pretty much what they're looking at. FMCSA's guidance must examine the role of a dispatch service in the transportation industry, examine the extent to which dispatch services could be considered brokers or bona fide agents. Anytime I say that word bona fide, I, I think back to, uh, oh brother, where art thou? He's bona fide. He's bona fide. Anyway, and clarify the level of financial penalties for unauthorized brokerage activities under 49 U.S.C. 14916 applicable to a dispatch service. If you're a dispatch, independent dispatch service, they're knocking at the door. You, 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 you better, better be listening. As part of the comments, the agency wants industry stakeholders to respond to 13 questions. Number one, what evaluation criteria should FMCSA use when determining whether a business model or entity meets the definition of a broker? Provide examples of operations that meet the definitions of a broker, 49 CFR 371.2, and examples of operations that do not meet the definition in 49 CFR 371.2. Question number three, what role should the possession of money exchanged between shippers and motor carriers in a broker transaction play in determining whether one is conducting a brokerage or not? Number four, how would you define the term dispatch service? Is there a commonly accepted definition? What role do dispatch services play in the, play in the uh, transportation industry? That's two questions, but it's, that's three questions, but it's built into one. <laughs> Number five, to the best of your knowledge, do dispatch services need to obtain a business license or employer identification number from the state in which they primarily conduct business? Number six, what should FMCSA consider when determining if a dispatch service needs to obtain broker operating authority? You see all these questions, it's all about independent dispatch services. Number seven, if a dispatch service is uh, represents more than one carrier, does this in and of itself make it a broker operating without authority? Uh-oh. When should a dispatch service be considered a bona fide agent? What role do bona fide agents play in the transportation of freight? Number 10, electronic bulletin boards match shippers and carriers for a fee. The fee is a membership fee to have access to the bulletin board information. Should electronic bulletin boards be considered brokers are required to register with FMCSA to obtain broker operating authority? If so, when and why? That kind of sounds like uh, going after those bid boards, U-ship, things like that. We'll see. Question number 11. 
How has technology changed the nature of freight brokering? And how should these changes be reflected, if at all, in FMCSA's guidance? Question number 12, are there other business models or services other than dispatch services and electronic bulletin boards that should be considered when clarifying the definition of a broker? And question number 13, are there other aspects of the freight transportation industry that FMCSA should consider in issuing guidance pertaining to the definition of a broker or a bona fide agent? Those are the 13 questions. Some of these questions have two or three questions built in, but those are the questions the FMCSA is wanting answered if you decide to make a comment. Now, if you are an independent dispatcher, that's fine. Personally, I think it goes back to, I think if they pass something like this, there's going to be lawsuits at the yin-yang from, you know, bigger independent dispatch services. Because an independent dispatcher is an independent contractor when it comes right down to it. Trekkie Company contracts the independent dispatcher to work under their license via that contract. With that contract in place, the dispatcher has authority from the trucking company to work under their authority to get loads for that trucking company. Now, here's where a lot of the problem comes. These independent dispatch services, they don't have their own customers. Well, they can't have their own customers because, well, they're not licensed. Now, if they're working under a carrier's authority, yes, they are licensed to get loads for that trucking company. But the loads or the companies, the customers they procure to, for that trucking company, they can only put those loads on that on the, well, that trucking company's truck. See what I mean? They tank, they tank, they can't go out here and pick up ten customers legally and put those loads on whoever they want that they may have a contract with. You see what I mean? So you're, you're, there's kind of a gray area there, but okay. Uh, to be honest, though, let's be honest about this. What's happening <laughs> with these dispatch services? Most of these dispatch services are doing it because they see it's an easy buck, or they think it is. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, they understand that, hey, if I can work as an independent dispatcher for a trucking company, work under their license, I don't have to go out here and find my own customers. I can go to the load board. I can I can uh, get loads for these trucks from a broker, and I'll still make money off of them. So that presents a problem in itself. And if you're a trucking company using a dispatch service, you should have already figured this out on your own. That if you're using a dispatch service, okay, they're getting loads off the load board from a broker. You should know that because when you get paid for the load or when you invoice, you're, you're invoicing the broker for that load. You're going to be paid by the broker. You know it's a brokered load. And now you're paying the dispatch service on top of that. So the broker's getting a commission, which they should. And then the dispatch service, you're having to pay them just for looking at the load board and making a phone call. 
That's pretty much it. Now, I'm not saying dispatch services don't have a place. I, I, I really believe they do. But I think a trucking company should understand that, you know, a, a real dispatch service will have their own customers. You're not going to get double dipped. The advantage of a trucking company using a dispatch service would be to be able to have an independent agent working for you that is working on your behalf to procure customers of which you can obtain direct freight. Not to sit on their rear end looking at the load board, taking loads off the load board, putting it on your truck. I mean, when it's all said and done, you're paying 20, 25, 30% for that load. If you would have got on the phone yourself, you're just, you could have saved yourself, what, 10% maybe? Something like that. Anyway, we talked about this a few months ago that the you know, uh, knocking was at the door. Independent dispatch services could be, well, they're, they're up, they've been put on notice now. They're on notice. Now, if you are an independent dispatch service, what you may want to consider doing is changing your operation. Instead of being a dispatch service, just use the load board to get loads to put on trucks. You need to think about becoming a broker, either under your own authority or start out as an agent. The reason is you're going to be covered under that license, and what it's going to allow you to do is work with any trucking company. Now, granted, you're going to have to go out here and get your own customers, but believe me, Getting customers as a broker is not difficult. It's not difficult at all. You got to make the calls. You got to make a lot of them. Just like I tell my clients, you know, you've you've got to be willing to sit down, and make a lot of phone calls, and even in the mentorship program at Taltoa, you know, the freight broker agents that are just starting out as an agent in the mentorship program, they should be focused on building their customer base, not on trying to move freight. If you don't have a customer base, you're not going to have any loads. Without loads, you're not going to be able to make money. And the only way you're going to have loads is by having customers. And how do you get customers? You make sales calls. And the sales calls are easy. They're really simple. If you have an independent dispatch service and you're wanting to think, uh, you're thinking about either getting your broker license or want to, you know, start out as an agent and you've only been working the load boards and you're not really sure. And, and we get calls all the time at Teltoa. Yeah, I've been a dispatcher for blah, 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 you know, a long time. And I, I, I know the industry. And then they get into brokering. They find out they didn't know quite as much as they thought they did. And that's because they've been working load boards all the time. They've been working at a load board from the trucking company's perspective. But at the same time, what they're trying to do is make more money for themselves, but not really understanding how a broker operation works, getting customers, uh, calling your loads, po you know, things of that nature. There's a lot to learn. As, uh, uh, brokering freight's not difficult. just has a lot of details. All right. Now... Keep your eye on that. We'll be talking about that uh, coming up more. 
Today's Q&A day. We've got some Q&As coming up. But before we get into that, we've been talking about Class 8 sales being down, not as good as they have been. You know, you blame it on whatever you want. Everybody, the, 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 uh, the word of the decade so far is shortage. But the thing is, when new truck sales are down, what do you think is booming? When the new truck, new truck industry is down, what do you think is booming? Parts. <laughs> if they're not selling new trucks, that means people are keeping the old trucks, and those trucks are breaking down, which has created a boom for parts. Truck maker Picard, Packar, Packar, Picard Inks. I've never been able to pronounce that all the way to Packar Lisa. I think it's Packar. Anyway, their parts business is booming as uh, higher average fleet age and truck utilization rates are prompting rising sales industry wide. For Packar, that meant its parts segment in the first quarter hit record quarterly pre tax profit of $340 million on a revenue of, get this, $1.39 billion with a B. In the U.S. and Canada, the total industry retail parts opportunity for Class 6 through 8 commercial vehicles is estimated this year to be $30 billion, spanning all vehicles in service up to 25 years old. God is coming and going there, don't they? Hey, if we don't sell the, if we don't sell them new trucks, we'll sell them new parts. <laughs> If you're out in Arizona, <clears throat> drivers, uh, take 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 heed of this. The Arizona DOT has announced that heavy trucks will be restricted to the right lane only on a 20-mile stretch of I-10 in hopes of improving safety. <clears throat> in a June 7th announcement, Arizona DOT said that the agency has installed signage along a stretch of I-10 between Phoenix and Casa Grande, restricting traffic truck traffic to the right lane only. Boy, what a... I mean, it's flat, it's straight, it's boring. You get behind a slow truck out there, uh, the backup's going to be... In, uh, talk about aggravating. Arizona called the lane restriction and interim safety measure that will remain in place until an improvement project kicks off to widen this segment of I-10 to make it wider. The first stage of the construction project is expected to begin next year. And they say it might be completed as soon as 2026. Oh, what a miserable time. What a miserable time to be on that stretch of road between now and the time they get that done. All right, Q&A day. Every Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we do Q&As on the Freight Broker TV video podcast often live streamed on youtube this week not live stream and next week it won't be either but you do have access to the uh, audio via the podcast using your favorite podcasting app just look for us freight broker tv subscribe give us those five stars help us grow also you can uh, watch the videos on or the the, the live stream or the video Saturdays because it will air on uh, YouTube first then after YouTube it won't be available on YouTube anymore but you'll be able to watch 
You'll be able to watch the entire broadcast on our website, Free Broker TV. Just go to live stream. <clears throat> okay, first up today, Carl. I'm currently an independent dispatcher. Oh, this is going to be good. This goes right into what we were talking about a moment ago. I'm currently an independent dispatcher contracted with several trucking companies. I've been thinking about starting my own freight brokerage so that I can expand my business. I'd like to keep dispatching, though. Would this be a conflict of interest, and how hard would it be to start a freight brokerage? Thanks in advance. Well, we, Carl, if you just heard everything we talked about a moment ago about what the FMCSA is doing, that, that kind of gives you an arrow pointing you in the direction of, yeah, you need to get into brokering as fast as you can. So you've got, uh, you've got some uh, customers already built up. Now, as a broker, working under a licensed broker, you may, or if you are a licensed broker, let me put it that way, you may want to offer a dispatch service. But you're going to have to be different. You know, the, the, your, your normal SOP has got to change. But what makes it nice, and I think you're going to find that once you start building, once you start building your brokerage operation, you're not going to want to have anything to do with the dispatch service. And let me kind of explain why. As a dispatch service, <clears throat> you're making maybe 10% on what the broker's paying you if you're getting the loads off the load board. So let's say the broker's paying $1,000 to move a load. Well, the broker's probably making $12, $12.50, something like that. They're paying you $1,000. you are going to make 10% of that $1,000. Trucking company's going to get $900. you are going to make $100. So right now, right here alone, in your head, you should have put together the numbers. The broker made 250 You only made 100 <laughs> You see what I mean? This is what I'm saying. You, you're, you're, not wanting to, you're really not going to want to do a dispatch service because you're going to make more money from your broker operation, not the dispatch operation. We had a client with Altoa here a while back that was a dispatch service. I mean, that's all they talked about. Yeah, I was a dispatch. I had a dispatch service. I know what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. She went through training, or they went through training, I should say. And they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. Now we're going to stay dispatchers. They were going to go into the mentorship program, decided they didn't want to do that. They were going to stay dispatchers. The reason they didn't want to do the uh, the, the uh, mentorship operation was why, well, in, in the mentorship program, those in the mentorship program, after they complete training with Daltoa, you can begin your broker operation as a freight broker agent. And yes, as a freight broker agent in the mentorship program, it pays standard commission, 60% of profit to the agent. So they were like, well, why should I pay? Well, why should I give up 40%? I'm getting 100%. As a dispatcher, no, you're getting 100% of your 10%. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, when it comes to that kind of thinking, all you can do is say, hey, good luck. If you need anything, you know, we're here to help once you take the blinders off and, you know, you, 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 you find out what's really going on. 
but the thing is, it, it, once you begin your broker operation, you, it, yes, the startup period is not going to be simple. I'll just tell you that right now. You know it. Everybody knows it. Any startup is is rough because you got you got to really put a lot of effort into it. You've got to build the business, and that's that's exactly why we have the mentorship program at Tautoa to uh, allow new people to get out there and start getting experience. But the main thing is build the customer base. Without customers, you have nothing. You've got to have customers. Then you start getting loads. Then you start working out how to move those loads. What freights do trucking companies call you about? What freight does trucking companies want to move? What customers do you have that have good rates or freight that trucking companies want? It gives you the opportunity to start building that customer base so you can begin gaining that experience so you're able to start working your way out of that startup period and start focusing on producing an income. It takes time. It's a process. So many people get into this industry, you know, expecting riches tomorrow. No, it's going to take months. going to take months. Now, Carl, would it be a conflict of interest to have a freight brokerage with a dispatch service? No, not necessarily. I don't see that at all. As long as you're not using load boards. If you're using a load board, working under a broker under your own authority, even though you got a contract with a trucking company to work as a dispatcher for that trucking company, as an independent dispatcher, I'm sure the freight broker you're getting the load from for that trucking company wouldn't appreciate knowing that you're a broker. They probably frown on that. That that you're you're, you're borderline double brokering. You're borderline double brokering anyway as an independent dispatch service. The only thing that saves you is the trucking company has given you permission to work under their license and act on their behalf to procure loads for their truck, meaning you can go to a broker to get a load. But you are a broker when you're, you know, a freight broker, a freight broker agent. And again, it goes back to what I said a moment ago. Once you start building that customer base, you start, you know, you see the numbers and you start doing the math. Why would you want to be a dispatch service? Carl, if you've got questions about that or want to talk more about it, feel free to call me 479-668-0838. Next up on the Q&A, like I say, every Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we get together, uh, FBTV video podcast, live streamed or debuts like it is this morning <laughs> on uh, YouTube. If you got a question, you can... Uh, Send it in to us. Then uh, tune in. Tune in on Saturday mornings or the, the Saturday morning podcast available on your favorite podcasting app. But uh, if you got questions, mail them to me, fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. we got forums on the website you can fill out. Also, you can Skype your uh, questions to me. Just open your Skype to a search for FBTV. And then tune in on Saturdays and see if we get to your question on a Saturday. But uh, pretty easy to do. Matter of fact, if your question, if, if we see urgency in the question you send us, you will get a reply before the question airs. You know, we understand that. Some people are really looking for answers right now. And I get that. It's uh, detrimental to what you're doing or trying to do. All right. 
LaShonda, what is a typical freight broker agent's salary? A typical freight broker agent's salary. Well, as a freight broker agent, LaShonda, uh, as a freight broker agent, you're an independent contractor contracted to work under a licensed broker so everything's legal. You're not an employee, so to speak. You are an independent contractor, meaning you're on a commission. So there is no, quote, salary. Okay. Standard commission for a freight broker agent, I've seen it as low as 40%. I've seen it as high as 80 85%. Uh, I'll break down those numbers in a moment, but the average is going to be about 60 and that's what we pay in the uh, mentorship program. <clears throat> now, 50 to 75 80% is typically what a broker is going to be offering to a direct agent. If you are in the ballpark or talking to somebody and you're thinking about contracting to them as a broker agent and they offer you a 40% contract. In other words, you're going to make 40% of profit and, and we call it net load net, but it's the load profit. The difference between what the customer paid you to move a load and what you paid the truck. Okay. So if you had a customer, they agreed to pay you, I don't know, 2500 and you found a truck, negotiated with the truck, agreed to pay them 2000 The profit or the load net, and you're, that every broker has a different term for it, load net, load profit, uh, net profit, uh, just whatever you want to call it, gross net, whatever you want to call it. But it's the difference between what the customer paid you and what you paid the truck. So like I said, 20, uh, if the customer's paying, what, $2,500, you are paying the truck 2000 there's a profit on that load or load net of 500. That's where you're going to make your commission, be it 40%, 60%, or whatever. If you were under a standard contract, 60% uh, commission, your commission on that load would be what, 300 bucks, 60% of the 500. A lot of people go, well, what about the other 200? But that, the broker. Well, why should they get that much? Oh, come on. <laughs> You're working under their license. They've got everything in place. They're handling all the administrative. They're doing the heavy lifting. They're allowing you to work under their license so you can be an independent contractor. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so, now, if you if somebody's offering you a 40% contract, that's a pretty good indication that you're not contracted to the broker direct, but you're contracted as a sub-agent through a direct agent for that brokerage. So what I mean is maybe maybe I'm the agent. I've got a contract uh, with the freight brokerage company. You come to work for me as a freight broker agent. Yes, I'm a freight broker agent, but I'm an independent contractor. In my independent contract or in my contract, the broker agent agreement with the broker in which I'm contracted, it states in there, my people are my responsibility. I'm an independent contractor. I can hire, do whatever I want. They're just giving me the authority to work under their license. So if I want to have agents, I can, but they're going to be called sub-agents, actually, or known as, that's the term. But actually, you're going to be an agent for that agent, but you are going to be the sub-agent. You're a sub-agent of the agent that has a direct contact with that broker. So they may be getting 60%. 
and they're paying you 40%, so they're getting 20% override on what you do. So if you had a load, you had a net of $100, you're going to make 400 or not uh, $40, rather, 40% of the 100 And the sub-agent you're working under, or the agent you're working under, they're going to make 20%. They're, they're going to make uh, 20 bucks. See what I mean? Now, let's, let's take this a little bit further. We have had at Taltoa companies call us, well, uh, this big logistics company they called, this happened several years ago, and they called us for consulting. And the issue was simply, and this was a pretty big size brokerage, uh, they were, uh, if I told you the name, you would recognize it immediately. But they had an issue, and what the issue was was simply this. They had brokers. They were making money every year. But the problem was, uh, it was flat. Yeah, they made money every year, but they didn't make any more money. It was like, okay, we made X amount of money last year. We made X, the same X amount of money the year before, the same X amount of, <laughs> you know. There was just no increase in their revenue. It stayed the same. Immediately, we knew exactly what the problem was. They were paying their brokers a salary. <laughs> they had no incentive to go out here and try to drum up new business. They were paying them a good salary, $50,000 a year. But they were, they, they, they were in a corner now because they were trying to get their they were trying to get their revenue up but the only way they could do that was to increase sales well this the brokers they had they had no motivation and we told him if you try to make any adjustments now to their salary and try to get them salary plus commission you're going to lose a lot of people if you try to decrease their salary and then replace what they you took away with commission they're not going to be happy, and then they're going to lose the, uh, or stood a chance to lose the entire operation. Or take a big hit for sure. <clears throat> so, you know, what we suggested was from here on in, if you want to pay a salary, have employees and pay them a salary, start them at a low salary with plus commission. They have to have that incentive. Any good salesperson, anybody in sales whatsoever, in freight brokering as sales, would rather have a commission be commission based than salary based if they're worth worth their weight okay because a good salesperson they know they can make money in sales they know it they know they'll make more money commissioned rather than salary they want that opportunity anyway Lashonda if you are looking to become a freight broker as an employee, yeah, there are jobs out there. The problem is going to be trying to find a company that will hire you, pay you a salary, and give you time to learn the business. Because you're not bringing anything in. I mean, you are, as a new, and this is why a lot of new freight broker agents that just get out of school, they can't get hired by a broker because they have no book of business. They have no experience. That's one of the pluses with the Tautoa packages. You're able to begin your broker operation almost immediately once you complete training. So you can gain the experience, can build the book of business. 
But LaShonda, if you if a freight brokerage company was to hire you and pay you a salary, you may never get to the point to where you're paying for what you're doing. Anytime a freight broker puts on a broker, they expect that broker to make enough money to pay their salary and make that company money. You see what I mean? Anyway, LaShonda, if you'd like to talk more about this, feel free to call me, 479-668-0838. That's our number at Taltoa. Q&A continues. Rachel writes in, my husband is an owner-operator working under his own authority, and I'm working as his dispatcher. I use load boards to find his loads, but I would like to find shippers. I'm not sure if I can offer transportation services as a carrier, or should I get a broker's license before talking with a potential customer. Any advice is appreciated, thanks. You know, we get this question more than you would think. I know a lot of you out there are going, you're working under your husband's authority. You don't need a broker's license, which you're absolutely right. But you'd be surprised the number of uh, people that don't know that. Now, we were talking about dispatch services and things like that earlier. No, she is not a dispatch service. She is considered to be, for lack of a better term, an employee of her trucking companies or her husband's trucking company. You see what I mean? So she's working under his authority because she is considered an employee, for lack of a better term. She's using load boards to find his loads, and she's got the right idea. Hey, you know, it, it, I, we need our own customers. If a trucking company had put together a good business plan or a business plan at all, they understand that, hey, we have to have our own customers. That's That's got to be the first thing you got to check off your list. You've got to get your own customers. More times than not, somebody's going to go out here, buy a truck, buy a trailer, get their own authority, and they want to start making money immediately, and they start using brokers. Then before you know it, they're using brokers for 100% of their loads, meaning they're losing money on every load, and that money adds up. You've got to have your own customers. If you've got your own customers, you're going to be making anywhere from 10 to 20 25% more on those loads that you get from your own customer because actually it can be more than that if you're not using a dispatch service. But... Uh, it's it, it because you're dealing with the customer direct bottom line. You're going to be direct billing the customer. You're not doing anything with the uh, broker. You're matter of fact, you know, in a situation like that, you don't want to, you, do, you don't want to factor these invoices through. You don't want to factor the invoices from your direct customers. Matter of fact, if you can get away from using a factoring company at all, you're going to be better off trucking company and brokers. Well, you know where we stand on that. If you don't, yeah, we got videos all over the place talking about why a broker should not use a factoring company. Go on to the forums if you're a trucking company. Check out, you know, some of these forums talking about factoring companies. How do you how do I get out from under a factoring company? And pretty much all the replies is you don't. You don't. You're stuck. Almost impossible. That's why we always recommend, you know, in lieu of a factoring company, see if you can get a line of credit at your bank. You know, if you got some type of a, a plastic that you can pay off every month, you want to pay it off or the interest will kill you. 
where you can get fuel. A lot of these truck stops, though, they're going to charge you more for fuel because you're using plastic. It's a vicious circle, but you've got to find your way through it. The profitability and success in having a trucking company is having your own customers. Now, Rachel, your your husband, he's got his own authority. He, he is a trucking company. And anybody else listening, if you're a trucking company, you're working under your own authority. You don't need a broker's license to go out here and get your own customers. That authority gives you the right to approach companies as a transportation provider where you can deal with them direct. See what I mean? Now, you've got to have your own authority or DOT number. When I say authority, I'm talking about you've got the EMC number. You're a 48-state carrier. You know, your OTR. If you only got a DOT number, you can only haul loads in your state. You're an interstate carrier. I'm talking about interstate carriers. But yeah, Carol, or Rachel rather, you can, uh, you're able to approach customers or shippers on your own. Now, where the freight broker authority is really going to benefit you or being able to freight broker, let's say you go out here and you pick up five customers. Okay, you're keeping your husband busy, and he is so much in love with you right now, it's not even funny, because <laughs> you're making him all this money. Keeping him rolling. The only time you should be using a broker is for your backhaul. And my clients hear me say this all the time, uh, the most misused tool in the transportation industry is a freight broker. Okay. And simply because so often a freight broker is used by trucking companies to get all their loads when a trucking company should be getting loads on their own from their customers direct. But what I'm getting at, Rachel, is you go out here, say you set up five customers and your husband's hauling their freight and one day your husband's on the road and one of the customers calls and they say, hey, I got a load going from uh, point A to point B and uh, I need a truck. Well, if your truck's not available, your only reply can be, no, can't do it. But if you have your if you have broker authority, be it uh, your own freight brokerage authority or you're a broker agent uh, for a company, now you can tell that customer, hey, yeah, you know, listen, my truck's not available, but I can get you a truck to move that load, because now you have broker authority. That broker authority will allow you to broker loads to other trucking companies. See what I mean? So you're making money because once you say no to a load, that money's gone forever. There's no way you're going to get it back. Keep that in mind. Okay, Rachel, I hope that helped you out. Any questions, uh, you can send them to me, fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. If you have questions about becoming a freight broker, freight broker agent, maybe you're a trucking company wanting to, uh, you know, invest in another stream of revenue, but you're you know, by starting a freight brokerage, but you're just not real sure you have questions, check out our website, taltoa.com. Or call me, 479-668-0838. I'll be happy to talk to you and uh, help you out any way I can. All right. All right, today's impossible question. The average person spends six months of their life doing this. What is it? Any idea? 
<laughs> Waiting at a red light. Sitting at a stoplight. Man, I've uh, just down the street from my house. If you're trying to cross the street coming from my house, uh, you could be at that light for 10 minutes. But coming back the other way, yeah, it, it triggers right. And it just drives you nuts. But, you know, six months of their life sitting at a red light. Most of my six months is at this red light down, down the street from my house. It could make me late for work. Hey, I want to remind you, every Monday through Friday morning, Morning Coffee with Tautoa, I'm the host. Join me every Monday through Friday. You'll find it on the uh, Tautoa YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com forward slash Tautoa. You'll find it. We get together for a few minutes every Monday through Friday morning. We talk about things pertaining to the transportation industry. So keep that in mind. Check us out. If you're having a birthday today, happy birthday to you. You're in pretty good company. Uh, Judy Garland was born on this day back in 1922. She'd be 100 years old today. How about that? Effley Bailey, O.J. Simpson's dream team. He was born on this day back in 1933. And Dan Fouts, San Diego Charger fame quarterback, wasn't he? Football announcer. He's having a birthday today as well. Uh, going back in history, today in history. I don't know. Who keeps track of this stuff? Seriously. Today in history, back in 1639, the first American log cabin is built in Wilmington, Delaware. How do they know? How do they know there wasn't some guy that built one out in California somewhere? <laughs> 1793, Philadelphia ceases to be the U.S. capital when all the federal government offices are moved to D.C. 1935, Bill W., Bill W. created his AA, or is formed in Akron, Ohio. Helped a lot of people. 1943, the ballpoint pen. The ballpoint pen is invented in uh, Hungary. And in 1987, the uh, three government agencies investigate PTL. Pat, Tammy Faye, and Jim, rather, wasn't it? Jimmy, Jim, uh, Jim Baker. Uh, anyway, that happened back in uh, 87 taxi. Boy, that was a big deal, wasn't it? If you don't have the uh, FBTV podcast mug, what are you waiting on? We have one right here I can show you. I got one right here. This is a nice mug. It's got the, uh, got the monkey face on it. <laughs> I call it monkey face. What I look like in the morning when I'm in the mic. Anyway, you can check it out. Go to our website, FreightBrokerTV.com. Uh, you can order it from there as well. It's relatively priced right. And anything else? I think we're pretty good to go. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this Saturday's version of Freight Broker TV video podcast. Again, it's going to be uh, available on YouTube all day today, being Saturday or better part of it, but if it's not on, uh, you can go to our website, Freight Broker TV, and watch the entire video podcast on the live stream page. So, if you've made other plans, why, go have a good weekend, okay? See you later. <music>